Welcome back in listeners to another fabulous episode of Whispering Things from Stage Whisper. We are joined today by writer and performer Maya Nikiporov and Devin M. Schwartz, the director of the upcoming show Race for Impact, which is playing May 19th through June 10th at The Tank. And tickets and more information are available at thetanknyc.org. But this is a fantastic show. It's an industry production of the show. And we are so excited to have these two artists on our program today to talk more about it. So with that, Maya, Devin, welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having us, on Andrew. We're so excited. So yeah. it's so great to be talking to you about this. Yeah. The show sounds so fantastic. We've, we've got this great flight attendant. We have a crazy clown. We've got grief. I mean, what more do you need? Click save. But why don't I go ahead and start by asking you, Maya, since you're the writer and performer, to give a much better description about what this show is about. Absolutely. So... Brace for Impact is a fantastical dark comedy about a flight attendant named Shiva. I used to be a flight attendant. And so basically the play takes place on a flight. So from the moment that the audience is boarding, you know, they're passengers. And the play takes us into a journey within a journey. There is a disheveled clown that helps Shiva go through the different moments in her life where she destroys that which she loves the most. It is only after there is nothing nothing left to wreck that she finds the power of forgiveness and regeneration. So as you mentioned, grief is at the center of this play between, you know, safety, questionable safety demonstrations, alcoholic drink service, you know, Shiva purges all her relationships to the audience and but you know she also braces herself to face life i love that that sounds so interesting so we get the nice dark and the light mix all together in there which is great absolutely yeah how did you come up with the idea for this show i've always wanted to write a show about flight attendants i feel like there's always very generic non-real stories about flight attendants if that makes sense and so I always wanted to tell the story about flight attendants because I was a I, I worked for Emirates Airline, and when my dad died two years ago, I went through a journey of I almost wanted to help him cross over, and I think it took me a while until I I realized that this was his journey, and I couldn't. There's I, this is not my journey, and I had to let him go, and I think that moment was very important to me. And I always knew my relationship with my dad was very special, was very fiery, passionate. There was a lot of love, we fought a lot. And I always thought I had to turn it into a a fantastical journey. And that's how the two kind of happened magically. Oh, that's amazing. Let me go ahead and bring on our director, Devin Schwartz here and ask what has it been like developing this work, Brace for Impact? This this has been easily one of my favorite collaborations of my entire life. And I've been, I've been doing this for a really long time. I was a kid actor growing up in New York and was on Broadway as an actor at age 12 and a half <laughs> and got to work, you know, in a lot of, a lot of great spaces and a lot of great situations over the years. 
And there's just something about this piece that from the moment Maya had me read it, I've just been bowled over by the beauty of it and by the honesty of it and the way that it unabashedly dives into human frailty and human ridiculousness and the absurdity of life and death and grappling with that and doing so you know simultaneously in a bit of a heady way but also just a pure visceral way that's that's all emotion and i think that's an interesting thing because you know shiva the lead character of this piece is is really simultaneously both diving in to her her mourning and also 100% avoiding it she is completely in the beginning of the play she is dissociated and and you know choosing as we often do to not face things head on and yet the play and over the course of this story her journey ends up being all about facing it more head on than anyone possibly could and mm. the fact that that takes us you know both to comedic and dramatic places is is really one of the things that um, that just makes me so excited to be working on what is the message or thought that you two are hoping that the audience will take away from this show? And Devin, if I can stick with you first on this. That's a great question. I think forgiving, I think, you know, Maya mentioned the word forgiveness earlier. And I think the central message underneath all of the absurdity and all of the grief and all of the conflict and all of the flawed relationships and flawed ways that we deal with relationships it all comes down to forgiving each other and ourselves and the you know without giving any spoilers the way the journey ends in this in this piece it's such a a moment when you kind of retroactively understand what you've been doing there for 65 minutes and you realize that message i think it cascades towards you retroactively as as you see the final couple of scenes and what i love that message that people take away to be about is is forgiving and and accepting and and realizing that whatever happens on this crazy journey that we're all on that's the most improbable thing in the universe that we're here at all it's going to be okay in some it's all going to be okay. <laughs> that is a wonderful message. I love that. My, what like, about you? Yeah, I think I like the kind of like stretching from what Devin said. We're we're in this together, you know, kind of like in an airplane. If the airplane is about to crash, we're all in this together. It's a last moment with that person next to us, which might be a stranger, but we share similar values we want the same thing we want to be loved we want to matter i think that's i want that i want to remind the audience of that there's something that when my dad died i kind of wanted to enjoy him more instead of trying to defend who i was trying the woman i was trying to become i kind of wanted to enjoy more the oddness that he brought to my life or you know like the colors his masculinity like Sometimes, you know, I, we fought so much because I needed to like 
have a point of view. And now that he died, I kind of think, I wish I could go back and just kind of enjoy him and who he was. It doesn't matter that he thought different from me. It doesn't matter if he was maybe, you know, like a little machista, because we're Latinos. <laughs> but he was so, he was so colorful and beautiful. And so I think this play also wants, I want to tell people like, just take a moment and enjoy however this moment is taking shape and form because that's what life is about. Yeah. yeah. It's a celebration. It really is. I feel yeah. like that's, if, if the message is about forgiveness, the, the takeaway is less about forgiveness and more about just, just Empathy. celebrate. Yeah. yeah. Just celebrate it all. Celebrate it all about, about the, the interchangeability of all these different relationships in a way that we have over the years and how people mean different things to us and how we have different relationships with our own identity over the years as well. Yeah. And just, you can just grab that and just celebrate every single step of that. There's this contrast, I think, and it's something that we talked about. Emotions can be so big and yet we're just a speckle in the universe. And I think that is a, a nice reminder that we want to bring with this play of all these small things that really matter to us. And then you look at it in the bigger picture and we're so small, you know, but everything matters so much anyways. <laughs> well, when did you originally write this show and has it been done before or is this the world premiere? So we, I wrote this play last year in August, two beautiful weeks on my own. <laughs> I just allow myself to be in this fantastical world. And Devin and I did a workshop reading in December. It was just one night. And that reading really made us realize that we needed to workshop this play with a live audience because there is an inter interaction. We need them to understand and to continue, you know, sharp tuning. Is that how you say it? Fine tuning. Yeah. Thank you. Fine-tuning. I am a writer, but um, there you go. Fine-tuning this piece. And so we decided to do this workshop and, you know, we submitted to the Tink, which is an amazing platform because they really do support you at early stages of a play and as, as emerging artists as well. Very cool. So this is kind of our, as the public's first chance to get to see this work live and on its feet. So Absolutely. Absolutely, and, and work it work it out with us. Like we are literally working this piece with the audience, and the, the audience is part of the writing process almost. Finally, for this first part, I want to ask, who do you hope have access to the show? And Maya, if I can start with you on that. Absolutely. We one of our goals, main goals for this run is to show our work, connect with production companies, theater companies, theater makers, people that are interested in uh, supporting and making the vision of a new artist come to life. Because this play can exist in a bigger world with a bigger audience, and that's who we're trying to attract right now. Wonderful. Devin, what about you? You know, it's interesting because a lot of what we were just talking about a few minutes ago you know, draws us to the obvious answer, which is that this show is absolutely for everybody. I mean, there's there's something I think that so many different types of audiences can really take away from this. But 
I, I would say that, that I want to make sure for absolutely that anyone who's had, and this is a lot of people, anyone who's had a, a recent loss, I think is, you know, you, you would think that, okay, maybe it's, maybe it's, that's a little too much, but I, I think the way that the play deals with that and Maya is still very much, you know, within a very short amount of time of her own loss and her own profound loss. And yet there's something about the way this piece addresses that and does so in a way that, that does include, as so many things do in life, the comedic angle on that, the absurd angle on that, the not judging oneself and not apologizing for any of your feelings to anyone else or yourself and just diving in and experiencing it. Anyone who feels up to that, I think can just take so much away from this piece. But also I think, like I was saying, I think it's for, it's for everybody, maybe not super young kids because no. there's a lot of, a lot of cursing <laughs> and some sexual situations. Yeah, and, I was thinking, yeah. Like, yeah, let's, let's get 18 and above, it's, please. Yeah. I don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't set those parents up for odd conversations on the way home. <laughs> 16 and above should be fine. Yeah, I do think that after, you know, if you're 30-something, you probably experienced loss in your life. Yeah. <laughs> and I think oftentimes, you know, it, it, the one thing that we know for certain is that we're going to die. And it's the one thing that we are so scared of talking. We oftentimes fight against it. So I think sometimes, I think to get to your answer... If you're in your 30-something, you've experienced loss, maybe you want to see a play that helps you connect and feel like, oh, you know, she also feels the same way I feel sometimes. And it's so irregular and it's so odd and painful. And yeah. And, the, and there's no wrong way to do it. Yeah. It just is. I now want to ask, as we start the second part of our interview, what shows, playwrights, composers, and whatnot inspire you or are some of your favorites? And Devin, if I can start with you first on this question. Yeah, sure. I mean, in terms of recent shows, recent favorites, I, uh, I, I really responded to Le Leopold Sat which I saw when I was in town for, for the workshop presentation, the one night workshop presentation Maya was mentioning earlier at Cultural Lab. You know, that, that play and, and the way it, it takes on something as ambitious as it does and doesn't shy away from that and just has one of the most remarkable slow burns of, I think, any drama I've ever seen. We all know it's coming. And yet the gradualness itself, the slowness itself of that burn is what makes it all the more evocative and, and, and haunting and disturbing <laughs> in a good way. So I, I really, I really responded to that show. You know, in general, playwrights in general, uh, you know, Kushner, 
and I, I loved, loved, loved Hamilton. I know that's mm. an old, oldie but goodie at this point, but you know, still huge, huge fan. And yeah, yeah. That's a great, great list to have. No, no nothing bad on that list. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could add more, but I have to think for a second, yeah. <laughs> Maya, what about you? Uh, what or who inspires you? Yeah, so there's some playwrights that I I love. Aaron Posner is one of them. He wrote Fucking Stupid Bird, Life Sucks, period, and No Sister. So he did all the adapta- like adapta- adaptation sorry, of Chekhov. I love him. I think he's brilliant. Jen Silverman was also an inspiration. She wrote Collective Rage. I think it was called Five Betty Boots and something, but it's Collective Rage. I love that play. I think she's brilliant. She's so funny and, you know, comes with a lot of heart. And I, I did dive deep into one person's shows, even though, you know, Brace for Impact at this point sort of took off and it's not just a, a one person show. But uh, in my research and reading, I came across this play called Muhammad Ali and Me, and it was written by Mojisola Adebayo. She is an amazing playwright. She writes a lot of one-person shows, and I read, I bought like four of hers, and she just incorporates so many theatrical elements that I was fascinated with her, fascinated by her writing but those are those are playwrights that inspired me and then this is kind of like half and half but I did watch Misty at the shed recently and that was a one-person show and he was amazing I loved the story I love how he narrated everything about that was wonderful well speaking of recent shows have either of you seen any great theater lately that you might be able to recommend to our listeners I did watch the preview of Prima Facci, I don't know how you say it like that, but when it was in, in London and I, I, I would recommend go, to go see that. It's, she's, she's beautiful. She, the story is very powerful. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And since I jumped ahead on the previous question, I'm gonna go backwards for one second if you'll bear with me and just really quickly say, Maya mentioned Chekhov. And one of the things that we've bonded about during this process is the fact that we both find Chekhov freaking hilarious. And it, it baffles us yeah. that a lot of people don't find Chekhov just nonstop fucking funny. <laughs> and I think that's one of the reasons why our sensibilities mesh so well yeah. when we're working on, on this piece together is because that sometimes it's those darkest angles on things or most bleak perspectives on things that actually just make us have to shrug and say, this is just absolutely fall over laughing hilarious well, that, I, that this is happening. <laughs> I remember the first time I learned, like I was in acting school and I learned about Chekhov Everything made sense in my life. My dad was Russian. And so, you know, I'm from Paraguay, but my dad, my dad's parents were from Ukraine. It was Russia back then, but yeah, it made sense. I remember reading Chekhov. I was like, this is my dad. So many dramatic things that he would say to me, like, it was just so Chekhovian. Mm-hmm. And my life, it makes sense. I was like, oh, <laughs> this is where 
we come from. <laughs> yeah, and I have also, I have uh, Ukrainian uh, in my background as well. Russian Jewish uh, great grand grandparents and all that. So <laughs> I think that's another reason why yeah. I can connect with that sort of Russian viewpoint or that, that old school Russian Absolutely. viewpoint on life, and death, and what it is to be in the world and suffer and how hilarious it can be to just suffer so beautifully. Absolutely. Going along with that, what is your favorite part about working in the theater? Maya, can I start with you on that? You know, when I, I, I did ballet for, since I was five years old till my like teens, late teens. And since I was very young, I think my favorite thing was to stand, what do you call the side of this theater? Proscenium or in the wings? In the wings. I love just sitting in the wings and, you know, like the light on stage is kind of hitting you or you're like, you see it, but you're not there. It's a, you're about to step in. That just was everything to me. I think from a very young age, I understood that that's where I want to live. <laughs> and that moment right before stepping out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love, I love the theater. All of it. Just, yeah. That's beautiful. I love that, that just soft glow that you're talking about where you can just, you're just outside of it, but you're just like, Okay, here I go. Ooh, and you just yeah. it's like stepping through like a portal and you're just transformed. Yeah. And the light hits you and it's in the, you can feel the audience, but you don't see them depending on the lighting. But you know. <laughs> it's it's a very magical it's moment. Yeah. Devin, what about you? I, what, what's funny is I, I have a very similar answer <laughs> and we didn't talk about this before, I promise. But for, for me, it is about both literally and figuratively, that moment when you are in the glow, when, because that separation that that creates, usually when you have the lights on you or when you see the lights on the performer, if you're directing and so on, that moment is, is a separation, but also a communion. It's, 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 the, it's the crossover. It's that magical portal, like you were saying. But yeah, it's, it, it, that, that, that is the portal, that, that simultaneous separation and point of connection between performer and an audience is just, it, it's, it's electric. And it's, it's amazing when it happens literally, like we were just doing lights all day. We were doing lighting design and doing Q to Q with, with our great lighting designer, Victoria. And, you know, that, that process literally is, is thrilling because of that. It's one of my favorite parts of the process because of that. But it's also just every other step of the process in theater is always sort of at least figuratively about that because it's always about when are we purposely separating? When are we purposely creating space between two characters? When are we purposely letting silence be for a while instead of sound or instead of talking or instead of music? Yeah. And then how does that interplay with the moments when we purposely come together or we purposely have noise or we purposely have nonstop action or things coming together? That interplay is, that's not just theater, that's, that's all of life. And, and in theater, we get to 
we get to play. We get to play with with how yeah. that goes, with exactly when to do each of those shifts. Yeah. I think another thing that I love, kind of, it's with the word play. But I, I think what I love about theater is that when you make a mistake, is when you learn the most, and that's such a valuable lesson. And oftentimes, those mistakes that happen in rehearsals, you're like, oh, this works perfect. Let's keep it. So yeah, I love that in our profession, making mistakes, it's encouraged. And the way that that forces, not just encourages or enables, but actually forces creativity. Like we had a, a, a situation with that one night at Culture Lab in December that, you know, obviously there were all kinds of compromises we had to make because you have limited time, you have limited resources. And we also had a situation in which we didn't have the ability to plug in a few of these lighting fixtures to the main light board and have control. So at first that was a disappointment for me because I love, I love the lighting part of, of directing and I, I love having as, as many you know, brushes you know, in, in, as I can, but it turned out it, it, it forced this, this idea, which now we're still using, even though we didn't need to in this space, which is to have to use the clown character to unplug and plug back in some of these different lighting instruments moments. in certain moments on stage, obviously not everything. But we have several moments that are now built into the piece that might not have ever happened if we didn't have that, you know, quote unquote mistake or quote unquote compromise yeah. that, that, that held us back. It didn't hold us back at all. It just it gave us this opportunity for, for just coming up with something cool and new. Theater where there's no mistakes, only discoveries. Okay. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, we have now arrived at my favorite question to ask guests, and I am excited to hear both of your answers. And it's, what is your favorite theater memory? Wow, I have one. Go. <laughs> so we were doing Titus at Stella Adler. And it was a vaudeville Titus. And you know how Titus is it? Andronicus? At the end, you know, everyone dies, basically. I'm sorry if I'm spoiling. <laughs> but, uh, you know, everyone dies on stage. And we were all, like, I think we were 20 actors just dead. And one of the main guys decided to, like, the one standing alive puts a, a, a handkerchief on one of the dead guy's face and it starts doing this. Like the, the handkerchief starts moving obviously because he's not dead. <laughs> and he starts laughing and I don't know what's happening because I'm dead with my eyes closed and I'm like, what the fuck is happening? This is taking forever. And then I kind of like try to open my eyes a little bit and I see that 20 people are just laughing and then the audience starts laughing and we all just started laughing and we couldn't continue with it. Like he had to say his last monologue. <laughs> we couldn't finish. <laughs> and it was ridiculous, but it was also like so much fun. You know, it was like to this day, I remember. <laughs> yeah. It was hysterical how we were all just like shaking. Yeah. <laughs> that is awesome. Devin, what is one of your favorite theater memories? Oh my gosh, that is so hard. I just, I loved dying. 
I loved getting to die on stage. I love that that spoke um, of our memories. Yes. <laughs> in, the, in King John uh, at the Delacorte. And it was, I was playing Prince Arthur. And, and it was so stupid too. It's like one of these really kind of stupid moments in one of Shakespeare's history plays because he didn't have to die at all. Like I, I spent this whole long scene convincing Hubert not to murder me, not to execute me, which is what King John had ordered him to do. And go through this whole, you know, beautiful scene where I'm playing to his to his compassion, and I I bring up all these memories of, of how he was a friend of the family when I was growing up and when I was a little boy and all this, and just you know, perfectly weave my web of of, of playing to his sympathy, and finally he agrees to let <laughs> me live, and everything you know should be fine. And then it's like one scene later, I just go to escape. The, you know, and jump off the uh, castle wall thinking that that'll work. <laughs> and so I ended up, you know, walking around, of course, into, and, and they gave me some blood to put, you know, as I, as I went down and I put it and, and felt the blood on my hand and then, you know, get to do the most dramatic thing that anyone gets to do in all of theater, which is, you know, feel this blood and then just fall and collapse like practically center stage and then this and then the fact that uh you know these two lead characters in the play had to pick me up and 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 hold me while they're speaking a whole other scene again it's a it's a problem play but <laughs> a lot of people consider king john a problem play although it's full of great poetry and all that but just i think i loved the dying and the drama of that and and again how ludicrous it was that Damn it, Prince Arthur did not have to die. He could have still claimed the throne. Everything, <laughs> everything could have been okay. And yet, nope. And just having to get carried off and, and be held and be lifeless for a whole other scene by, you know, by these, these two and, and being passed around too. Like one, oh, of them, wow. one of them had to hand me to the other one while, <laughs> the, while the rest of the scene ended. Anyway, that, that was, that was a, a definitely a favorite. I love that. Well, thank you both for sharing those great memories. Those were fantastic. Yeah. Do either of you have any other projects or productions coming on the pipeline that we might be able to plug for you? No, I don't. I give birth one at a time. <laughs> yeah, in terms of theater, same here. I mean, this is this is the number one focus for me. In terms of film, I, I, I did book a, a small role in a, a film uh, coming out, I, I assume, in about a year, so it's going to be a while, but it's called Last Dollar, and it's an 1880s period piece, Western, and it's fun. I get to play a doctor who's one of the first people who knows what psychology is and has to advocate for a kid who's troubled, and no one in law enforcement knows what to do about that. <laughs> that there's actually a reason why he might be in trouble. And yeah. Well, finally, if our listeners want more information about Brace for Impact or about either of you, perhaps they'd like to reach out to you. How can they do that? Absolutely. Instagram, Always Wild Content is the production company. Then my my name, which is Maya Nikiforo, is also an Instagram. I don't know what else. How else? Website, phone, email. 
Yeah, I, I'm, I'm on. Come and see the show yeah. and talk to me and let's have a drink after. That's, that's <laughs> the best way. Yeah, come see it for sure. And we we're both, both like to go out after and before. We just, yeah, we just like to go out. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, I, I'm lousy with some of the social media, but at Devin May Care is my uh, Instagram and Twitter, D-E-V-O-N-M-A-Y-C-A-R-E, Devin May Care. And Devin M. Schwartz on Facebook is actually what I use more often because I'm old. Well, Maya, Devin, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today about this amazing show and about some of your favorite memories and just everything. It has been such a joy speaking with both of you. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank Thank you, you, Andrew. Thank you for doing this. This is amazing. Really, really appreciate getting to talk to you. This this is a great, this is a great podcast and, and just just love the opportunity to chat. Thank you. My guests today have been the writer-performer Maya Nikiforov and the director Devin M. Schwartz, whose upcoming show Race for Impact is playing May 19th through June 10th at The Tank here in New York. You can get your tickets and more information by visiting thetanknyc.org. You can also follow our guests on Instagram as well as their production company. And we're going to have all of those handles on our episode description as well as on our social media. But make sure you head over to thetanknyc.org right now. Get your tickets for this incredible show. It's an industry production. So especially if you're out there and you're looking for a show to produce, to put on, this is a great opportunity for you. A wonderful dark comedy that might be just what the world needs right about now. It's Brace for Impact, May 19th through June 10th. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep talking about the theater in a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you.